today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantar. What you worship shapes your identity, and your identity shapes your life. So, or to go backwards, the stuff that you're doing right now in your life, the stuff you love, the stuff you hate, all of that stuff is shaped by your identity, who you are. Are you a husband? Are you a smart person? Are you not a smart person? Are you an angry person? Your identity shapes your life, but what you choose to worship is what shapes your identity. Open God, oh my soul, He is strong and He's strong to save. Open God, He's a rock and you hide in place. As Pastor Ricky begins his new series in the book of Ephesians, he will be teaching on the importance of understanding your true identity. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you're now a saint. When God the Father looks at you, he sees Christ's identity in you. You may be a teacher or doctor, mom or dad, but the most important aspect of your identity is being a saint, redeemed by Christ. If you worship God, then he will shape your identity and mold you more and more into the image of Christ. Let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Ephesians, chapter one, verse one, for part one of our message entitled, I am a saint. Who am I? I wanna introduce this topic by through this message, introducing kind of some key concepts that we're gonna look at throughout the whole series and get you thinking in this direction. This direction of considering your identity and who you consider yourself to be and the things that give you meaning, give your identity meaning. And, and uh, we don't often have to do this, but there are a few places in life where we have to sort of sum up who we are. Uh, one is when you meet somebody from a fir- for the first time. So maybe you meet somebody new at church here after the service, or you just met somebody, and you're thinking, okay, how do I get to know this person, and how do they get to know me? And so you usually, I don't know if you do this, but I usually have some material or some stuff that I volunteer, like, hey, I'm a pastor, or I work in this, or I'm Jen's husband, or just the things that naturally come out of you in that moment. If you're single, you have to do this every time there's the possibility of a date, right? Like you have that awkward first date where you're trying to communicate sort of who you are, maybe selectively, you know what I mean? Like editing parts of your life out. You're not going to mention that you're a World of Warcraft guild leader or uh, that you only play computer games eight hours a day. You're probably not going to mention that. You probably are going to mention, hey, I was, you know, I was, uh, I was on the dean's list trying to let that out subtly somehow. I don't know how you do that anyway. And, and the thing about it is that our identities are constantly getting changed and rechanged and reinvented as we go, right? So uh, growing up, we're kind of defined by our relationships with our siblings. We're you know, the middle kid, the younger wild kid, the angsty middle child, the, the straight-laced older child, um, mom's favorite, dad's favorite, you know. Um, and then in junior or high school, all of a sudden, you're thrown into this world where you need to have some kind of like social identity at the place. And nobody really assigns this, but by the end of, you know, a, a few months in, everybody pretty much has an identity. These are the athletes. They sit at the athlete's table. They talk sports. That's what they do. There's the nerd table. 
you know. You're into uh, card games and like weird stuff like that and, and are building huge fortresses on Minecraft and so that's the table you sit on or the, the academic kids, the smart ones. Um, and then just when you've got that figured out, then you go into college and you sort of have to get totally reassigned. So if you've never known somebody that was like an athlete in high school, but then they didn't really carry that into college, and so they reinvent themselves and there's something else. There's somebody else. They're the funny guy, right? Everybody loves the funny guy. Make sure the funny guy comes to the party or the nerd. You need help with homework. That's the guy to talk to. And then you get through college or maybe you don't go to college. Maybe you go straight to career. And maybe then in your circle of friends, you get the identity. You're the party girl. You're always up for going out. You're up for staying out late. You're the straight-laced guy that just is, stays at home and watches Netflix on marathons. Or, and then, you know, many people Get married at that point. And so then your identity totally gets reshaped there. And so you're not just this person anymore. You've got this other person attached to you. And that messes with your identity. And, and maybe you liked doing X and your wife doesn't like doing X. And so suddenly you've got to come up with some new hobby. So the old hobby, you, that's not your hobby anymore. Sorry. You know, you have a new hobby and it's called hanging out with your wife and watching romantic movies. That's your new hobby. I love the Cowboys. Yeah, you used to love the Cowboys, but now you love romantic movies, right? Then, I'm almost done. Then, <laughs> you get to middle age. From what I understand, there's, there's a crisis that happens. Well, now, people my age, this is so ridiculous, have made up a quarter-life crisis just so we can have a breakdown and get like a freebie on it. Like, what happened to Ricky? Well, he's having a quarter-life crisis. He's going to be gone for the next four weeks and just completely unavailable and angsty. Like, oh, great. So if you label it, you get like a pass. And so, um, so midlife crisis, there really are. There's, there's a midpoint. You see the kids leaving the house, and your identity changes. You've been a parent for so many years, and all of a sudden, that's not part of your identity anymore. So you wonder, what is my identity? As we go through life, our identity is constantly being pushed and pulled in so many different directions. And... Uh, what I want us to do is we're going to read the first three verses of Ephesians, but before we do that, I'm going to need my Bible. So let me get that. So we're going to jump into the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, where we begin to think about our identity. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, let's read. And this is the word of the Lord. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to be talking about this concept of identity, but I want to introduce sort of a a big idea that we're going to probably refer to throughout the series. And the big idea is this, and I think we have this on the screen. Um, It's this, that worship, what you worship, shapes your identity, and your identity shapes your life. So, or to go backwards, the stuff that you're doing right now in your life, the stuff you love, the stuff you hate, all of that stuff is shaped by your identity, who you are. Are you a husband? Are you a smart person? Are you not a smart person? Are you an angry person? Your identity shapes your life, but what you choose to worship is what shapes your identity. So let's, we're going to, through this message, kind of break this down, and I'm hoping this is going to be helpful, not just today, but, but kind of for the future. And the first, we're going to talk about this in two sections today, and the first is identity shapes us. 
So we're going to talk about that first connection, identity to life. Identity to life. Identity shapes our lives. Now, this is fairly obvious, but I want to argue this a little bit. Um, In Scripture, the Bible talks a lot about our identity, uh, our old identity or our new identity, because that affects the small details of our lives. And there are many examples of this in Scripture, and one of the most obvious is the guy that's writing Ephesians. Paul the Apostle had, if you read the book of Acts, a a set identity as a Pharisee of Pharisees, as a, uh, a Jewish scholar, the best of the best, and zealous for his people and for his religion. That was his identity. And out of that flowed a life in which he persecuted all of the Christians. So Christianity springs up. He comes in as the chief persecutor. But on the road to persecute more Christians, God stops him in his tracks and reshapes his identity to be a Christian. And so as a result of that, he stops persecuting people and he starts building the church and planting churches. He goes through a massive change in identity and who he is affects what he does. Now he's an extreme case, but this happens in daily life. This is the most mundane example I could think of, but it's common. Think about guys or girls, my wife would say, that live for their sports team. So you know they talk up their sports team during work hours, and at 5 o'clock on Friday, man, their work shirt goes off, their jersey comes on, and their cap goes off. So, so if you're in, in El Paso, maybe you're a Cowboys fan, so you get your Cowboys jersey on, your Cowboys hat on, you get in your pickup truck that has a star on the back of it, you pull out your Cowboys cooler, you get your Cowboys koozie, you know, a little drink koozie, got ice, you're ready, and it's Saturday morning, and you're ready for the game on Sunday. So you're just getting ready, you know what I mean, mentally prepared, reading up on the stats, looking up at the matchups, and you realize, I mean, we've all had friends like this, they are unavailable for the weekend, right? When's the game? It's Sunday night, but I'm going to be unavailable, probably Saturday through Sunday night, okay? Like, this is, just, this is just what happens. Now, why do they do that? Because their identity is being that fan. They are a fan of this team, for better or for worse, and that shapes their life. Um, there are, if you're in the military, you know that there are people who are in the army, and then they were like, there are like army people, right? There are people that don't, aren't just like in for their few years and then they're out. These guys are all in, man. They live, breathe, sleep, think, love the army. Their, their value as a person is in their rank, their accomplishments, their recognition. Um, what the army thinks about them is the most important thing to them. Or think about the gifted and talented family. Their identity as a family is that their kids are good at everything. So, they, so they, the, the family runs from event to event. They win academic triathlons, and then they actually go from there to win other physical triathlons. They kill the swim meet, and then they kill the chess club. I mean, it's just, they're just genius kids, but their whole family identity is wrapped up in this, right? Have you ever met anyone like that? Now, these are kind of more extreme cases, but I think it illustrates the point that who we are shapes what we do. And in the book of Ephesians, um, much of the book concerns who we were, who we are now because of Jesus, and then how to live as, as new people in Jesus. And this letter, I think this will encourage you, this letter was not just written to a bunch of podunk people. Because you think, okay, maybe some peasants, 
I mean, some, some peasants somewhere in a village of 12 people would buy that thing, but they don't have all these pushes and pulls on their identity like we do. Well, the city of Ephesus was uh, one of the largest cities in the Roman Empire, okay? One of the top five largest cities probably at this time. Many towns in this day had a few dozen or hundred people. Uh, cities could have a few thousand people, and Ephesus had a quarter million people. This is a sprawling metropolis with its own sort of suburb-like areas. It was a port city, so there was lots of trade and lots of kinds of people, lots of ideas. It was a religious center. It was sort of like, the impression you get is sort of like a religious or a pagan Disneyland to the goddess Artemis. And there was a, there was a huge temple to her. And then God, there was a whole industry of people making little Artemis statues and trinkets. And then there was a gymnasium and a stadium and gorgeous baths and a theater. I mean, this is, this is a place to visit. So in a place like this, just like in our day, there are all kinds of pushes and pulls on us. There's the surrounding culture. There's the religious ideas of our day. There's the economy and what that does to our identity. There's how trade is doing and, and what, what's going on in the, in, the, in the stadium, in the arena. And Paul is going after, with these people, he's going after who they are, and then he's going to go after what they do. So here's what I just want you to consider. What shapes you? What shapes your identity? What, what is your identity in today? What are some of the things that when you think of yourself come to the forefront of your mind that are important to you? When somebody praises something about you, what just makes you soar? Right, because you can get praise that sort of like, well, yeah, well, thanks. But somebody praises that part of you that you want to be smart and somebody says you're smart, you just, oh man, this is, yes. What's your life like and what does that tell you about your identity? Where do you spend your time? What do you spend your money on? But think about that second connection. Our identity that shapes our life, well, our identity is shaped by our worship. Our identity is shaped by our worship. Now, we've said that a lot of things vie with us to define our identity, but since we're in church, we're going to ask, what does the Bible say? What does God say should define our identity? The Bible, in the beginning of the story, starts with a God who is sovereign over all and who creates Adam and Eve. At first, Adam, even just by himself, creates Adam for a relationship with him as the God of the universe. So we were created in the image of God to image God and to be in relationship with God. We were created as creatures meant to, give, meant to find our happiness and joy in doing what God created us to do which was to worship him. So we were created to not just worship him, but to find our identity and joy and happiness in doing that. So the way I think about it is we were created to worship God the same way the the earth is created to orbit the sun. We revolve around God. We, We find our center in God. But what happens in Genesis is That when Adam is walking with God and worshiping God and living in his identity, everything goes well. He he has a wonderful wife. He's at harmony with uh, everything in creation, at harmony with the Lord. From, From that relationship with God being right, everything else in his life is right. But then Adam says to God, 
I reject you as my creator. I will not worship you. I want to be my own God. I'm going to worship myself, or I'm going to find something else to worship, but it's not going to be you. And his identity changes radically. He, he in essence, says, I'm going to build an identity apart from the one that you have created me for, God. So this is like the earth. If you think about it on a cosmic scale, the earth saying, you know what, son, I'm sick of you. I'm sick of you always being at the center of everything. So I'm picking the moon. I'm going to revolve around the moon now. Now, that's not going to go super well for the earth, right? Or the earth says, no, no, I pick Jupiter. Jupiter is almost as big, sort of, and he's better. So he goes over to Jupiter. And from that, if we tried to do that, we would all die, right? As soon as we move out of that orbit, our atmosphere changes. It's too cold. It's too hot. We're all dead. That's the end of the story, right? And as, as a result of humanity's rebellion, everything goes wrong. Now, Biblically, anytime we put something in place in our lives that only God should be, that's what the Bible calls idolatry. Because what we worship shapes who we are. When we worship God, I read, a huge, I read parts of a huge book on idolatry, and the subtitle was the main point of the book, and it was this, we become what we worship. When we worship God, we become like God. When we worship other things, we become like those things because that thing becomes the center of our universe. And idolatry is not just, you know, we're bowing down to a physical idol. It's anything that we worship in our hearts spiritually. In Ezekiel 14, God tells his people, repent and turn away from your idols and turn away your faces from your abominations. So you think, okay, well, he must be talking about some physical statue. He says, no, I'm talking about any one of the house of Israel who takes his idols into his heart. So you don't need a statue. We don't need statues. We feel so sophisticated. We're like, oh, the pagans used to worship statues. That was silly, right? But we do the same thing in our hearts. And when we replace God as the object of our worship, everything goes wrong. And All of our relationships are destroyed. Everything else in our life is destroyed. So what we we see is Adam, who had this wonderful relationship with Eve, five minutes ago was in harmony and loving his wife. All of a sudden, when God comes looking for him and says, what happened? He says, it wasn't me. I mean, and you think, Adam, what happened to the, the love song you just spontaneously wrote like the previous chapter? And he's like, man, I don't know. This lady's crazy. Like, You gave me a crazy lady, God. It's totally your fault. And all of a sudden, so their relationship is torn apart. And of their children, Adam and Eve, one of their sons kills another son. I mean, they couldn't even hold it together for a generation. Everything goes wrong. And, and, And Paul says that we constantly do this. We exchange the true God and the worship of the true God for something else. We, we begin to worship our career or our relationship or our success or our security or lust or sports team or our image. And we do what it says in Romans 1, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God, the worship of this God, for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. In other words, we say, no, I'm not going to worship you. I'm going to pick this other thing to worship. Now, if you're smart, you're thinking, man, okay, these things aren't necessarily bad, though. Career is not necessarily bad. A relationship with somebody is not necessarily bad. But here's the point. When they take the place of God in our lives, they are bad. 
They're created good, created to find their place as we worship God. And, and they're meant to be good gifts from God in our lives. But if we try to replace God with one of his gifts, it's wrong. So this is how this plays out. If you worship the idea of a relationship or you worship this idea, your identity is found in this, this, this identity of being somebody loved. I want to be loved by someone. And so you, 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 you know, maybe you feed into this in an unhealthy way. Your, your life is sort of filled with, not just occasionally, but just all the time, romantic movies and stuff and daydreaming and, and imagining your perfect guy or perfect girl. Someday, when you're married and you feel so in love and you're, you're married to them because you think this, this thing is going to give me meaning, five years in, maybe those feelings fade. And that same God of I need to be loved in this way leads you into an affair. And you thought, now, I'd never get there. When you're marrying the girl, you'd never think, I'm going com- to commit adultery because I love her but you've replaced God with this person and something that they can't ever fulfill. They can't be that for you because they weren't created to be that for you. And so what you worship changes your identity and that changes what you do. Or if if your whole life is about building a business and you've worked for years to build a business and your business goes up in smoke and it's bankrupt and suddenly you find yourself thinking, I'm going to kill myself. What's going on? It's that your identity is, I am this success. This business is me. And without that, there's nothing worth living for. Think about even maybe a husband who is jealous and controlling of his wife and constantly suspicious. You think, man, what's going on there? Well, maybe what's going on is that this guy actually worships his wife. And he can't bear the thought of her even looking at another man because he needs her to fulfill the place of God in his life. He's worshiping her and he's trying to protect her so that he never loses his idol. And of course, she can't ever fulfill that place in his life. Or maybe the way it works out in my generation so often is we have to have the new smartphone or we have to have the new clothes or the new car because they project the right image. And if we don't project the right image, we're not going to be the right person. So we worship this image. So, so think about this today. And this is what I want you to be thinking about really through this series where is your identity? Where is your identity? One way to, I've found to find this is asking the question, what makes me angry? Okay, what, when somebody says something to me and it like, mm, it just goes straight to the heart and I react in anger, I've started to see, you know what? I think the reason that makes me angry is because I don't, that's where I'm finding my identity in that moment. Or what pushes your buttons? What things hurt you the most to hear people say about you? So think about your identity, but then think about your worship. What are you worshiping? Are you worshiping maybe what other people think of you? The idea of a relationship, being successful, having an easy life? You're willing to sacrifice everything in your life just for the sake of it being easy? Hope in God, oh my soul, He is strong and He's strong to save. Hope in God, He's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. For by grace.
grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. These verses from Ephesians speak to who we are in Jesus and how we became one of his. Pastor Ricky will be taking us through the book of Ephesians, seeking the answer to the question, who am I? For more information, email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. Sometimes it is just easier to call. Our phone number is 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 915-562-7100. You can learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website, betternewsradio.com. All of Pastor Ricky's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at betternewsradio.com. You'll also find contact information, driving directions to the church, and details about activities and upcoming events on our website. We also encourage you to follow the Cross of Grace Twitter feed at Cross of Grace EP, where Ricky tweets additional thoughts about the messages you hear on Better News Radio. Or connect with us on Facebook at Cross of Grace EP. Well, that's all the time we have for today. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in and please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Better News Radio.